welcome. This is episode six. In this episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing Sabina to speak about her medical school perspective. You can find her on Instagram at the Curly Med, where she posts great pictures with super relatable captions. If you would like to learn more about her journey and why she chose medicine, keep listening. Hi, Sabina. Thank you so much for coming on with us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. How are you doing? I'm all right, you know, um, Zooming all week for school has been exhausting. I actually lost my voice a little earlier, so I'm glad it came back for this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, no, Zoom can be honestly just as exhausting as going into school. Yes, if not more, honestly. <laughs> no, I feel you on that. So where are you from and what year are you in? Uh, so I grew up in Southern California, um, and that's honestly where I spent all of my childhood. And then uh, I went to undergrad in, in Philly. So I've been in Pennsylvania for about eight years now, just doing various school things. Mm -hmm. uh, and currently, I'm a second year medical student at uh, Pitt. That's awesome. How are you liking it so far? It's good. Um, second year is, is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot different than first year, just in terms of like rigor and pace. But oh. we're adjusting, you know, we're doing our best. Are you starting like boards or are you just going with the flow with your classes for now? Yeah, I'm sticking like, so we're still a traditional curriculum. So we had cardio and now we have renal, um, but I'm not really doing like lecture material explicitly anymore. I was doing that pretty much for all of first year, um, but I found myself falling behind in cardio. So I've switched to doing like external resources as the primary just to like stay up with the pace and sort of get that board influence going um, yeah, and then supplementing too. with lecture. That's awesome to hear. I'm also doing the same thing. So it's like reassuring to know that other people are also focusing on boards as a second year student. Yeah. It's freaky to like go off of the lecture material. Yeah, I just but. like go log into Blackboard because then I feel <laughs> bad if I see all these lectures that I haven't watched. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, like I should watch them. So I just don't even log in. <laughs> that's, like, that's a good move. I might adopt that. <laughs> So what was the very one specific driving factor that motivated you to a doctor? Oof. Um, I think over the years, my why has changed. Um, I know that I've wanted to be a doctor since I was a kid, but my reasons when I was like five are completely different than my reasons now. Um, and I think when, when my pre-med journey was at its toughest, the, the one thing that kept me going was just the impact that I could potentially have on patients' lives and the differences that I could make. Um, which in part drove me to get my master's of public health, but um, I'm very interested and passionate about like LGBTQ plus reproductive health um, based on like my personal experiences in that field as like a black gay woman. And so that specific thing, um, like those experiences and, and my research in those in that field has really been the driving force and the continuing motivator for me um, on this path. That's really great to hear. And honestly, that goes perfectly into my next question for you, which is, how do you currently, as a medical student, advocate for the LGBTQ community in medical school and your plans for it beyond medical school? Yeah, so um, right now as a medical student, I'm on the national leadership team for Medical Student Pride Alliance, um, which is like the national diversity organization for LGBTQ plus med students, yeah. um, similar to like SNMA and LMSA, but it's newer. Um, and so that's like one way that I really try to make an impact with LGBTQ plus health and also just um, resource availability for LGBT students in med school. Um, 
So through that, I, I work with my team to create resources and programming opportunities for people who have chapters on their schools' um, campuses. And beyond that, like extracurricular sort of uh, work, I also do a lot of LGBTQ plus health research. So I do a lot of research in general, and all of these um, these research focuses have LGBT at like their core um, in terms of like, like if we're thinking of keywords, one keyword is always going to be LGBT health with like yeah. any research that I do. And so that's how I have found myself to be able to make like a really good intangible impact on community health um, is through qualitative research. And I try to focus my projects to be things that can turn into like tangible results um, pretty immediately. So finding like deficits in care or finding things that can easily be like fine tuned, just like, yeah. just that like administration wasn't aware of it. And so through this research, I've, you know, um, sort of shown that this is a problem. And now like you guys can go and do this. Um, so do you do a lot of like patient interviews to get an idea of what's going on in the community and where there are disparities in the care that's provided to them? Do you interview them? Do you survey them? Like how do you go about your research? Yeah, so I do qualitative research and so all of the above. Um, one of my projects was working with patients and doing phone interviews. Um, and through that, we've been able to, to um, unearth some access to care barriers in specific fields. Um, and, and the only reason I'm not like giving specifics is because we haven't published it yet. Okay, but, of course, um, elaborate at all. Yeah. So patient interviews for sure, just getting that like direct information and, um, those direct anecdotal stories. Yeah. And then also through surveying, um, like physicians and, um, like institutions too, to, to get it, to get at it from like the institutional side of like, how can you guys improve your care? Um, sort of that quality improvement type project. Um, and that is what I did over the summer. And it, it's been really rewarding in that it, it revealed very specific, um, easily fixable things that institutions can make to improve care for uh, patients, specifically LGBTQ patients. And so I'm now taking the results for my summer project and I'm going to meet with like higher ups and it's going to be like this whole thing and hopefully lead to like really tangible change. <laughs> you are making a huge difference, um, a direct difference in people's lives. So, you know, I have to thank you for that. This, honestly, it's going to make a long lasting impact because it needs to be talked about more and you're talking about it. You're doing research on it. You're going to, you know, produce tangible results, statistics, all of that stuff in your publication. So thank you for all the work that you're doing. Um, it's something that I myself am going to utilize, you know, as a future physician and so many other people. So thank you on behalf of everyone. Yeah, no problem. Um, I'm just something I'm really passionate about. And, and I think my experiences as like a gay patient navigating the healthcare system has really influenced that. And so you know, I do all of that research and then I also do a lot of work with like medical education work um, at the like med school level to help improve how we're teaching students to care for this population of patients so that when they graduate, um, you know, they sort of are more aware of and more comfortable caring for SGM patients because um, data has shown in the past that upon graduation, a lot of med students just like aren't comfortable, um, not because of like any sort of biases necessarily, but more so just because of lack of education. 
lack of education and it's not something we practice every day. Like exactly. it's not talked about enough. And I, we've definitely had a few trainings uh, during my first year, which is really awesome that my school like did that. We had a few required seminars where people would come in to talk about it. And we actually had um, a transgender physician come in and talk about her experiences and how difficult it was for her to be like a really successful physician trapped inside of a man's body and not able, not be able to express herself correctly and not get the support that she needed from even her colleagues and peers while she was going through her transition. And she talked about how there are still a lot of biases in medicine Mm -hmm. and a lot of doctors who don't believe, who don't believe in it. Mm -hmm. And as difficult as that is to even say out loud like they just don't believe in it so she was talking about her experiences with that and she's a very I don't remember her name but very successful physician publications on publications like everyone knows her globally like she's very well known so I'm really glad that our school held those seminars and I really hope that more schools do that because only when you start talking about it and get comfortable with the language and the terminology Will you be comfortable as a physician taking care of LGBTQ community patients? Exactly. Exactly. So my next question for you is what specialty are you thinking of going into right now if you are and why? Yeah, so I've had my eyes on um, OBGYN for a very long time. Um, it's it sort of like blends all of my in- interests into like one. Um, I love surgery. I also love the primary care aspect of it. Um, I love the patient population and I'm also like strangely in love with like the reproductive system. I think it's like the coolest thing ever. And, um, you know, that whole like pregnancy cycle and all of it just really intrigues me. And so from the like academic side, I'm interested in it. Um, and then also from like the advocacy and political side, I'm very interested in it as well. Um, I'm involved with med students for choice at my school and I'm, I'm very like pro advocating and, um, very much in, line with like everything that that field is also in line with in terms of like reproductive health justice and and I think personally for me again like bringing back in my why like my experiences as like a black gay woman going to like OBGYN offices has not been the greatest in the past and so I think um, that is like a large motivating factor for me is to sort of increase representation in the field for my future patients um, who might identify similarly as me. Yeah I know That's so important. You have a really tangible and really amazing purpose as to why you're becoming a physician. So I'm really excited for you. You're going to get into OBGYN. It's like a tough specialty. Long hours, but I can hear the passion in your voice. And I know that it's not going to feel that way for you. And I think you're going to really love it. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I know I'm only a second year, so like things could change, you know, once I hit the wards next year. But as of now, that's what I'm leaning towards. Yeah, and I think for you even, like, yeah, you need crazy numbers and stuff, but I think your passion really shows. And I, if I was on a committee right now and interviewing you for residency, <laughs> I would, like, check you out. <laughs> You're in. So you really have that to fall back on because a lot of people don't always have that same passion behind mm-hmm. their decisions. So I believe in you, and I, <laughs> I'm excited to talk to you in, like, oh, a little over a year to see where you end up. I appreciate it. <laughs> of course. 
So my last question to wrap up our interview today is, what is one very specific piece of advice that you would leave our listeners with today? And it could be related to medicine or unrelated, but some piece of advice that has made a significant positive contribution in your life. Yeah, um, I have so much to say. Um, I think, you know, I think it's, there, there are like two ways I could answer this, like more like from the pre-med side and then also from like the med student side. Um, I think one specific piece of advice that I had to learn the hard way that sort of translates across both of those um, like stages of your med, med career yeah. is that asking for help is super important. Um, we didn't get into my pre-med journey, but it was, it was, it was a journey um, and, and I struggled a lot during it. Um, and only when I started asking for help did I start to see myself succeed and start to see myself feeling like more comfortable, um, not only in the field, but in terms of my abilities to, to be a student in general. Um, and, and so asking for help at the academic level is super important, but also just like outside of that too, in terms of personal well-being. Um, I like got a therapist a couple of years ago for the first time, and that was like a, a huge step for me in terms of someone who struggles with vulnerability and struggles with asking for help. Um, so that step in like seeking professional mental health help was a huge one. And it's really done wonders for me in terms of like dealing with anxiety and imposter syndrome and all of, all of it. Um, and so I think like as pre-meds and med students are sort of navigating um, their troubles or whatever comes their way, really thinking about what, other people can do for them um, and not really taking all of the burden on themselves can make a huge difference and that that's been really key for me um, both at the academic level whenever I'm struggling in a course um, and also at the personal level when I when I need that extra support from family friends or from a professional. I love that advice. So thank you for sharing that. I started therapy earlier this year and you know that's something that I really needed for myself. And I'm so glad that I sought help. It's really hard to be vulnerable and yeah. it's really hard to kind of sit there and be like, I'm the problem sometimes or like I have these X, Y, and Z problems because it's really easy to say that about someone else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're the problem, not me. So um, that's honestly one of the best pieces of advice I've heard because it goes way beyond asking for help in school or like going to a professor. It really touches every aspect of your life. So thank you for yeah. sharing that with me and our listeners today. Yeah, no problem. So Sabina, it was great having you on. I'm so excited for people to listen into this episode. A lot of value was brought to the table and I thank you for your time and for joining us today and I hope to catch up with you soon. Yeah, you too. Thank you for having me. I had a ton of fun talking to you. Thank you.